Perpetual warfare is not the only way that speculative fiction has of othering people and ensuring that we perpetuate the racist ideas that some people are just different. Let's talk about race and racism in speculative fiction on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love. And today's going to be another one of those kind of heavy topics, but I, while I was recording yesterday's episode, I wanted to get into this, and I didn't, so I'm going to do it today. And there's nothing wrong with a queer white person talking about race, is there? Oh, this is going to be a minefield. <laughs> I'm going to have to be careful. We have talked about it on the show before, so we'll see how we do this time. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the more bigger the community, the bigger the community, the more likelihood there is that we will get to talk to each other and that is, after all, why I do this podcast in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. Otherness. This has been a really big problem in sci-fi and fantasy since their inception. And some of it, I think, we can chalk up to the fact that understandings of race and ethnicity were very different in the past. And that's not really a way of apologizing for it as just explaining how it got in there. But the perpetuation of these ideas is extremely problematic and continues the concept of otherness that there are some people that are just other than us. They're just different and we will never, ever, ever be able to coexist. So there are a lot of places that we could start, and I think probably the easiest way to see this is with the orcs, the Urukai, the ogres, the trolls, and what have you in Lord of the Rings, because they are all irredeemably evil. All of them. Now, this is something that I think you can kind of hand wave away, because if you read the Silmarillion, which is the backstory to everything that happens, you'll find out that these creatures were created that way. They were twisted and warped by Morgoth, the first Dark Lord, to work as his minions and his, his lieutenants and his hand in the world. So there, there is, it's not that they are always evil it's that they don't have a choice you could you could see it as one of the sad conditions of the world in which you would kind of hope that one of the valar 
would have intervened and saved some of them, or in the following stories, intervened to save some of them, and to me becomes the great failing of the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion, in that the Valar do not intervene to try to undo any of the damage that Morgoth wrought. Now, we do see a Maiar in the person of Gandalf, but, yeah, I, I kind of, with the fact that these virtual deities do exist in the world, one would hope that they would try to find some way to uncorrupt that which Morgoth had corrupted, especially in the thousands of years that follow, after his defeat, between his defeat and the rise of Sauron. And between the fall of Sauron and the re-rise of Sauron, I mean, there are thousands of years here in which someone could have tried to do something, but they don't. And I, I think that for our time, that's not a valuable part of the discussion. So I'm going to go into Star Trek. Star Trek, I think, is really guilty of this in a way that a lot of other fiction isn't. The Sith are evil in Star Wars because their philosophy tends that way. And so that goes into philosophical difference and philosophical othering, which is a completely different topic. But when we're dealing with Star Trek, they have a tendency of applying the same... Well... Every species has a defining trait, with the exception of humans, who are obviously superior, who get two defining traits, that being our curiosity, which none, well, very few other species in the Star Trek canon share, and our ability to build community wherever we go, being one of the things that makes humans different. All Romulans are suspicious, all Vulcans are logical, all Klingons are obsessed with violence and honor, all Cardassians are shifty and shady and conspiratorial and sneaking around between people's back behind people's backs. I'm gonna give a pass on the Jemadar because they have the same problem in the Vorta because they have the same problem as the orcs in the Lord of the Rings, in that they were genetically manipulated to be that way. But it's really only when you get to the founders that we see at least the chance of there being a differing idea within a species. But even they are defined by their desire for order. This, of course, drives Odo to seek justice, and the rest of the founders to form the Dominion and violently oppress everyone who's not them. Now, this, I don't believe, is a product of overt racism on the part of the creators of these shows. And I could go on into other shows that are not Star Trek. I just think it's very easy to see in Star Trek. It's shorthand. It's very easy. It makes everything easy. If all dwarves are greedy and all elves are high-minded and philosophical and good, 
then all you have to do is say somebody's an elf and you're able to bring all that baggage with you. Say somebody's a dwarf and you bring all that with you. It is a shorthand that becomes extremely problematic because it says that all people are like this. Now, I don't have a problem with everyone on Vulcan embracing some kind of logic, though I think it would be better if we see more factionalism, that not everyone maybe is a follower of Surak. And we do kind of see that some in um, Enterprise and Discovery. They, they try to bring some of that in, but hmm, <laughs> with uh, mixed results. We see also in Discovery trying to make amends for that amongst the Klingons. Again, I think with mixed results, mainly because those are just not good episodes because they brought up the whole eugenics war and that, 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 that's a thing in and of itself, but it's laziness more than maliciousness that causes every species to have a singular defining trait. And we see this throughout a lot of science fiction and fantasy in that all aliens are a monolithic species. All fantasy races tend to be a monolithic species, in that they all share similar ideas about what makes them tick. It's easy. <laughs> I, I, I can't say that enough, because I do think too many people try to ascribe maliciousness to this phenomenon in speculative fiction. There are a lot of things when you're doing world building that you have to explain to a reader or a viewer and being able to give the shorthand of they're a Klingon. Oh, okay. So I expect them to have a warrior ethos and dot, 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 because Klingon. We see this very, very clearly in game of Thrones where all northerners are one way all people from the Reach are another way. All Lannisters are another way. All Dothraki. All Val Valerians. You know, all people from Volantis are this way. Dot, 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 dot. We see that a lot. Again, it's shorthand. It's laziness. And yes, it's easier to excuse in something like Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire because we are dealing much more with cultures there as opposed to specific racial groups. They are all human and kind of portrayed that way, but it still poses a problem. Yes, it would be very hard for somebody amongst the Dothraki not to be all about the rapey and the pillagey and the violence, but there has to be somebody out there. <laughs> and maybe we just don't meet them in the story, but the idea that there would be someone out there that is different should be an accessible thing in the world. The biggest problem with this trope in speculative fiction is that it feeds into a particular racist ideology where you're able to presume oh, that's a dark elf, so they're going to be shifty shady and probably betray everyone because that's what their race does. 
it perpetuates a certain type of othering that we see promulgated in the real world to a degree that it's justifiable and that's where it becomes problematic now like i said star trek has over the years tried to do things to show us different ideas where Worf is a different kind of Klingon. We get to see John Shook's um, portrayal of the Klingon ambassador in the movies. And again, John Shook has a um, lawyer in various other shows as well. Yeah, just characters played by John Shook are different from the uh, species archetype that he uh, <laughs> that he would normally be playing. But yeah, okay. I'm sorry, I'm getting frustrated here because it's hard to talk about these things without going into real-world analogies, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to perpetuate any ideas of racial superiority or race problem. I don't want to perpetuate any of that. And that's where we need to be very careful in building our worlds, in building our science fiction and how we as fans interact with it. Now, we see Star Wars going through a lot of effort to try to show that not everybody in the Empire is evil, and that's a good thing because there would be people that are a part of the Empire just because they're part of the Empire, and it's the government in power, and not everybody's going to rise up to fight against the government. That's just not realistic. But when you are portraying any race, and I want to use that word broadly, any ethnic group, even if it is an entire species, as having a singular trait, it breaks down. Because even with humans, let's just look at Star Trek's idea of humans. Humans have two defining traits in that they are innately curious and they bring community. I know a lot of humans that do not have any curiosity whatsoever. They're just not curious about the world. And I've met quite a few humans that are very antisocial and do not want to be a part of any society or culture whatsoever at all. Now, having said that, that, that shows the basic lie in this idea that all people are the same. All people of any ethnic group are the same. You're going to find differences. You're going to find different opinions amongst any population of people. If you put two people together, you will get three versions of the same story. That's just the way it works. It's hard to find agreement once you start building bigger and bigger and bigger groups. So the utility of having everyone of a particular ethnic group believe the same things, act the same way, and have the exact same, let's call them values, is not only unrealistic, it perpetuates this idea that if a culture is significantly different from ours, that one, everyone within that culture all agree on how that culture is defined, and that makes their actions predictable because, well, they all do this. 
And we know from real world experience and through the few stories that do a very good job in tearing this down, that that is not the case. That's not how society works. My biggest concern with all of this is in the perpetuation of the idea that there is an other. You can have a story that shows a species so profoundly different from us that doesn't have any of the um, racial or racist connotations accidentally attached to it. And I'm thinking of Arrival when I say that. Arrival does this really well. The difference between the aliens that they encounter in that movie and the humans is they don't have the same senses, so they don't have the same um, basic understanding of the world. And so the aliens, in understanding this difference, realize the only way that they're going to be able to communicate with us is to teach us their language so that we can understand them because while they could understand us there would be a great chance of misunderstanding if they just tried to translate all of their thoughts and their messages into one of our languages which by the way is actually a plot point in the movie that there are misunderstandings because of us not understanding the nuances of their perception of reality. And so that otherness that is brought out in this film is powerful and it is profound, but it is based off of a difference of perspective that we do not perceive the world. I'm trying not to spoil Arrival because if you haven't seen it, you really should see it. It's a very good movie. But because our basic perception of the world is different, our understanding is different and our languages are incompatible with each other. And that's a big plot point in that movie. So there are ways to do it and do it well. It's, it's about being careful not to accidentally because I'm going to give a lot of these creators the benefit of the doubt. Because with the exception of like an H.P. Lovecraft, who was unabashedly racist. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts as to whether or not he's including racist caricatures in his stories. He is. You know, a, a lot of these writers were probably just doing it as shorthand. But this is where we especially in this world of reboots and remakes and follow-ups and continuations and cinematic universes, have the opportunity to tell other stories. One of, okay, this is a minor spoiler for Captain Marvel. If you haven't seen it, I don't think it will affect your enjoyment of the story, but this is a movie I think that did a really good job with that because it actually played on our innate racism to make the story work. If you are a fan of Marvel Comics, you know the Skrull and the Kree are at war with each other. Both the Skrull and Kree are evil. They're bad people. They're bad peoples. 
and you just expect them to be the enemy. One of the main plot points that they did really well in Captain Marvel is the revelation that the Skrull weren't the bad guys in that particular story. That not all Skrull are the same. That was huge. And it was wonderful because it played off the basic assumptions that most comic book fans had going into the movie, and probably several non-comic book fans had because they're friends with people who are comic book fans who started talking about you know, secret wars and the scroll invasion and scrolls are evil and these are going to be bad scrolls and it's going to be such a thing. And to have the scrolls not be the bad guys was such a twist for at least me when we got to that point and it was just like, oh, 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 I, th I thought bad things. That it worked. It made me re- contextualized an entire fictitious species because we saw them as individuals and that more than anything I think is what we need to be trying to do when we're doing our fiction and especially when we're doing our fandom is seeing the people that we the characters that we are interested in as individuals and not necessarily archetypes of their entire species and maybe that will help us get past some of the othering that happens in science fiction and fantasy <laughs> i hope that made some kind of sense this is a hard topic to talk about if you have any questions comments or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show please use the voice message button which will text link that you'll find in the show notes wherever the show notes are in the app you're listening to me on if you have a buck that you can throw my way, it really does help out a lot. While you're in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the community support page. The difference between the two is people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. So if you want stuff, join the project over there. Um, if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like joining the project, that's fine. But please, if you know somebody you think would enjoy this show, do share it with them. That helps out a lot. If you have any other things that you want to get in touch with me on, I'm C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find links to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com. So until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye. <laughs>